Welcome to today's episode of The Power of Reinvention. I'm Kathy Sharpross, and we're here to talk with my guests about the dreams, the visions, and the passions that individuals have every day and dare to explore them. Whether it's business or personal, you're entitled to live the life that you want, and no matter the circumstances, you have the power to create success, fulfill your dreams, and live with passion. That's what I'm talking about. So dare greatly and happy reinventing, folks. Let's do this. Welcome. I'm Kathy Sharp-Ross, your host, and I'm very excited to have Andy Bernstein to be my guest on today's episode of The Power of Reinvention. Andy's story and accomplishments are intriguing and exciting, and what I truly love is how he took a passion and turned it into a career. This is something so many of us dream of doing, and Andy's story will share his formula for this great success. I'm so honored to be able to share him with you, my community and listeners, especially if you've not yet had a chance to connect or experience some of the amazing work that he's done that you're about to hear about. In this episode, there will be a little reinvention advice and tips from this extraordinary man in ways that that will touch your life. The show is inspired by my book, Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For?, as well as my Reinvention Virtual Chats, which launched right after the book last year in March, and in response to my postponed book tour and events. So I hope you'll enjoy today's conversation and walk away feeling inspired to reinvent and with a new sense of what is possible in your life. So welcome, Andy. I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, thanks so much, Kathy. And uh, I loved your book. Thank and uh, thrilled that you wanted to have me on the show. Well, so you fit so well into the conversation about reinvention and great stories. And if I may, I'm going to take a moment just to share a little bit of your background and accolades for our audience. So like many other professional athletes that he photographs, Andy Bernstein is recognized as an all-star in sports photography. The unique personal rapport that he has developed with athletes and coaches and teams over the years allows him exclusive access to special behind-the-scene moments. And as a co-founder of NBA Photos, Andy is the key photographic contributor to NBA Entertainment's global media platforms, which include NBA.com, All League Publications, and NBA Licensed Products. And he's been the team photographer for 12 professional home teams, which won championships in basketball, baseball, and hockey. And Andy's covered 38 NBA finals. Okay, you are just the envy of everybody listening to this right now, and all-star games, and the senior NBA photographer. In 2018, Andy collaborated with five-time NBA champion Kobe Bryant on the worldwide best-selling book, The Mamba Mentality, How I Play which was a unique look at Brian's 20-year career through Bernstein's lens. He's also been awarded the 2018 Kurt Gowdy Award recipient, acknowledging his contributions to basketball media, which is really something very, very worthy of acknowledging. And he has also co-founded and hosts a weekly podcast called Legends of Sport, which is co-produced and distributed by the Los Angeles Times. So we have a lot of fun ground to cover, and I've got lots of fun and interesting questions for you. And, you know, I think we're just going to jump right in. And I love to always kind of start with you sharing through your lens. I mean, yes, this is your bio that I just shared, but maybe just take us back a little bit. Was 
photography always a passion? Was basketball, were you a frustrated basketball player that didn't get to join the big leagues and so you went that way or was it that you were a photographer? So tell us a little about that because I love when I hear that people are really taking their passions and making it their lives works. I've had my own agency doing marketing and branding and sponsorship for 32 years and I love what I do every single day of my life. So share a bit about that with us. Well, Kathy, I, I come from a, a very sports-oriented family, uh, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Played everything from stickball to tackle football in the winter on cement. <laughs> a lot of street hockey, um, but you know, a lot of basketball. But I was always the shortest kid on my block, neighborhood, and even in school. Um, in seventh grade, I was like four foot ten. <laughs> wow! But I had such a passion for sports. That um, and I was actually pretty good for my age, um, but it, I was introduced to photography by my dad in uh, the summer that I turned fourteen, and he and I took a trip out to the Western um, National Parks, and I took I just took to photography. I was for the first time ever in my life I was able to kind of think of something in my head, translate it through an instrument, through a mm. camera, you know, because I wasn't really a musician. And then, and then actually see the result, you know, yeah. which was film. And the epiphany really came. I mean, like what you would call the aha moment at this point in my life really came when I, I went back to school for my junior year and a good buddy of mine had a dark room in his basement and we shot some black and white film and then came back and developed it. And he showed me how to do all that. And then actually, you know, putting the film in the enlarger and then, putting it in the solution and literally seeing a magic trick. I mean, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was 55 years ago. I, I actually took a senior course in high school of photography and I spent that, you know, semester in a, in a dark room. And yeah. I, I know that magic, that moment. I'm still to this day, I always use the analogy of the wonder and miracle of the fact that a camera, even in today's day and age, whether it's digital or an old school camera, actually mm -hmm. somehow captures something out there into like it, it, it still just blows my mind how that works. Yeah. Well, it's a moment in time and nothing to take away from my fellow photojournalists who do video and, you know, documentary and, and all that stuff. But a single photograph tells a story, a moment in time will never come back. Mm. And, uh, you know, just seeing that happen, I, I was just hooked. And from that moment on, literally, I had a camera around my neck every single day in school. I'd be taking tests, I'd have the camera on me. That was the joke that Andy always had his camera. And I went to a big high school. So, you know, there's a lot of things to photograph. I became the editor of the newspaper, blah, 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 all that stuff, the yearbook. And then I went to the University of Massachusetts because they had a communications department, but um, I should have probably read the college catalog to be quite honest with you, because they didn't have any photography classes whatsoever. Wow. <laughs> I thought, well, communications, you know, whatever. Right. And, but they didn't, but they had a, they had a very prestigious college newspaper, the Daily Collegian was published five times a week and was really the, uh, the source of news for the whole, that whole Valley area where Amherst is located because there were no, um, no papers that were delivered in the morning. The Boston Globe was the only paper that was delivered, and it came in the afternoon because it had to be trucked in from Boston. So the townspeople would get their news from us, you know, from the college paper, which was kind of cool. 
So I, I became the assistant photo editor there in my second week <laughs> at UBass. And I just loved it. I loved you know, doing assignments and, and being accountable and, and working with writers and working with the designers of the page. So I knew like, you know, what, what the hole in the page. Like it gave you context yeah, to sort of the bigger picture of, yes. of where one day what you're doing now yeah. would sort of also sit. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I, I just found that it was great. And I wasn't learning a lot about the science and the history of photography and everything I would need to know for a career. Um, so I just, I made a hard decision at that point. I was uh, just turned, just almost 19, I guess. And I decided to apply to Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, California. Um, had, you ever had, had you ever wanted to move out to the West Coast for any reason? Prior? No, but my mom, my mom was, had relocated. My parents had gotten divorced. My mom relocated to, to Beverly Hills. And uh, my, my younger brother, who was like 10 at the time, was living with her. So it wasn't like I was going out. Right. You know, it wasn't foreign, I'm, completely foreign land. Yep. Right. But Art Center was, was tough. And it was, uh, it was known as the medical school of art schools. I mean, it's like, you know, 20 hours a day. Sometimes we would spend all night in the dark room. Uh, you know, it was it was grueling, yeah. and uh, it was it was difficult in terms of um, wanting to wanting to pursue the career that I wanted to be a sports photographer, because every step of the way I was told I would never make it. Yeah, and you know we don't teach that here. And why did you come here? <laughs> so let me ask you something, because I think we all confront those moments in life. Whether it's, you know, a, a passion we want to pursue, whether it's a career move, that, you know, there's always going to be those naysayers. So what do you remember about those moments in time that, you know, enabled you to put those blinders on and not listen to anybody or see or hear what people were saying that kept you true to what you wanted to do? Because that, that, can, that can affect a lot of people from pursuing their passions. Oh, yeah, Kathy, but I'm a Brooklyn guy. So you tell me I can't <laughs> do something. <laughs> That's it. Seriously? There's just no chance I'm gonna I'm gonna fold the tents and go home. You I know what I'm saying? It. Yeah. But also the people I listened to were the people that were two people, two teachers I had, who to this day, 45 years later, are still great friends and mentors. Love that. Um, yes, I can have a mentor like in oh, my mid 60s. Thousand percent. Who believed in me? Who who said, "Look, you have talent. This might not be the best school for you, but figure out how you can make it work for you." Right. And one of my teachers, Bill Robbins, introduced me to a photographer from Sports Illustrated. Mm -hmm. And then that mushroomed to meeting other photographers who took me out into the field and traveling. And I saw how these guys did their work every single day. And then Bill had a studio in Hollywood. He was a very successful commercial photographer. And I worked part time in his studio. So I learned the business from the inside as well. I learned how to deal with clients. I learned how to, um, Oh, do all kinds of stuff, you know, even accounting things, which, you know, bookkeeping, I had no idea how to do that. But I learned it from him and from the people working for him. So I'll always be grateful to Bill for that. And um, yes, I was lucky. I mean, I know in your book, you talk about, you know, luck. Um, but I was lucky to be in LA when I was in LA at the beginning of the 80s, because that's when NB the NBA was really starting to blossom, you know, the bird magic era. And I made I made my own luck. You know, the doors 
were a little bit ajar and I was able to stick my foot in a little bit. <laughs> well, that Brooklyn guy was not, yeah. no, <laughs> not going to miss out on that chance. I was, I was very determined as a young, young guy. I, had, I was probably very arrogant too. I was been told later in my life that, man, you were a pain in the ass, you know, to deal with, but, so but I got to tell took. you, I have, yeah, but I have clients that I've been, that have been with me for my entire career. I'm, this is my 40th year in business. And uh, the LA Kings, for example, I've been with, they've been with me this entire time, you know, the NBA almost as long and, uh, you know, various others. So, you know, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that longevity. Absolutely. So I know that there's been a slight pivot in your life. You sort of took, well, numerous pivots. So as I like to call them, those, those big and small reinvention moments are pretty exciting. And I get super excited talking to people about what sort of was that catalyst moment? And you've built this whole other business now coming out of all that you've created, all that you know, all the relationships that you have. Um, you want to talk a little bit about what you're doing now and what that segue was and why you did it. And just let, let's mm-hmm. talk a bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really happy to talk about that. Thank you. Um, yeah. I've been doing this for a long time and, uh, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of my business. Um, you know, sports, professional sports especially, is is a ruthless business. Uh, sometimes it lacks it lacks any sense of morality whatsoever or reality. Um, but the, all that being said, I, I have a, a deep love for for the athletes and the, the personalities that have crossed my path in my career. Um, and it started to kind of occur to me that that post-career most of these guys and women aren't given a lot of tools um while they're while they're famous while they're making money while they're marketable but you know the end of their careers and then post-career and keep in mind most athletes retire in team sports in their mid-30s they're that lucky to get to the mid-30s and then what then what happens um they're basically just kind of spit out and good luck. You know, agents don't sign them. They don't return phone calls and they don't really have a lot of skills. And they, you know, a lot of them made a lot of money and they squandered a lot of money. And there were all kinds of other problems, um, addiction problems. There were um, custody issues with children, um, you know, all kinds of financial problems and stuff. So anyway, that started to kind of weigh on me. Right. And you know, it's so funny you talk in your book about how men don't really talk about deep feelings to it, especially to right. each other, right? But they sit at, so, sit at a sports bar and grunt at each other, but they don't really right. like have those exactly. conversations. Yeah. Yeah. But I got to tell you, I was um, myself and my two best friends, both in, in one is a licensing person and, you know, in the sports business, one is a lawyer who also my kids grew up with his kids. Mm-hmm. And anyway, we all kind of converged on the uh, baseball all-star game in Phoenix. This is maybe 15 years ago. And we're sitting around the pool having a couple of beers and we start talking about, hey, where would you, where do you think you want to be I 10 years that. from now? I love that. I mean, guys never talk about this. Trust me, n- never yeah. have I ever had that conversation. Well, you know, there's a chapter as you're referring to in the book, it's called, It's Not a Midlife Crisis. It's actually a cry for reinvention. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of disasters could have been averted if more men understood mm-hmm. what they could have done to nurture their soul and mm-hmm. stay in these wonderful relationships or jobs or whatever they were doing. 
but yeah. had a renewed sense of passion for what where they were at in life. So I love that you've brought this up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it was exactly that we 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 decided that we wanted to a work together in some way. We wanted to work in sports in some way, and we didn't want to work for anybody ever again. <laughs> Right. Right. And we wanted to do something to give back in some way. So those are the four ingredients of what launched Legends of Sport, because we we all grew up with sports. We all wanted to we all have seen the horror stories of athletes that have fallen on hard times. And we wanted to 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 help get these people, you know, whole as human beings mm, first. Yeah. And then they they become viable again. They become marketable again. They are given purpose again. And, um, you know, it's, it's a terrible thing when the spotlight is so, so bright for so long. And then just but yet, goes then it moved away. Right. Well, you'll and, see, you know, there was a story yeah. in my book about Robin Cousins, the 1980 yes. Olympic gold medalist. And he, yeah. he was somebody from a very early stage in my business career that I was representing who was post winning that 1980 gold Olympic medal and was so hyper-focused on his second, third, fourth acts of his life that I, from that point on, always looked at athletes and not only had such incredible respect for their dedication, unlike celebrities who are great, but the dedication and the commitment that we see out of athletes, they're they're made of something different. So if they're helped and aided in going in the right direction to create other things in their lives and they can bring their A game to Mm -hmm. something else... Mm-hmm. odds are they will succeed, but you're there yeah. by the sound of it to really help guide a lot of these athletes now. Yeah, I, I truly believe that, you know, we can do well by doing good. I mean, you know, I know that's an overused cliche, but I love it. I love that. that it means saying, everything. Actually. And um, so we decided to launch Legends of Sport. We didn't really know what that meant, and we gave it a little bit of a go but then the three of us super busy in, in our lives and family life and business life. And it kind of just got shelved. And then about four or five years ago, I just decided we, the three of us decided we got to just do it. We just, if we're going to do it, we got to do it now. You know, I'm going to do it 10 years from now because, you know, not getting any younger. And luckily I was, I'm in, in the position where I can, I can really pull back from my photography career and, uh, you know, financially and everything else. I can do that. Which so is was, great was it kind of an either or situation no. for you at that point? It wasn't like no. you never thought, no. oh, if I'm going to be successful, I'm not going to be. You were able to look at how to calibrate both in your life. Yeah. I mean, it's a matter of just increasing the bandwidth yeah. <laughs> and and getting rid of stuff in my life that was holding me back. So um, let's for, talk about that for a moment. Because that is a very pivotal statement. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of us focus on things in our life that might seem urgent, but not important. We, we mm-hmm. you know, we, we've got these long to-do lists every day and every week. And if you really look at it, how much of that is really important? So how did you, how did you start to figure out what had to give? And, you know, what was there a process for you of really like sitting down with a piece of paper and a pen and going, okay, I'm going to make a list. What do I value? Where am I spending my time? Which is something I tell everybody to do when we have reinvention conversations, because usually those two columns don't align at all. Um, how how did you sort of streamline that a little more to prepare for what you were doing? 
Well, my career was was doing really well. Um, you know, I had made had a reputation. I you know made a mark in the industry and all that stuff. But my personal life was a mess, <laughs> literally a mess. I, you know, um, I got divorced when my kids were little. My kids were three and two when I got divorced. I became a single dad um, in a very contentious custody battle that went on for seven or eight years. Um, I finally had to go back to the NBA, who was my employer, my main employer at that time. And they were able to help me um, with the legal issues of, of having more time available mm-hmm. for my kids. Right. I wanted to um, have more custody time, which was great. And um, but, you know, there was there was all kinds of other stuff going on. And I, I got into recovery. This is almost 20 years ago. And so all of that sort of fog and um, and time spent somewhere else. Right. I got rid of. Right. Right. But but my recovery life became very important, and it's it's a priority in my life because everything everything is a result of my sobriety. Yeah. And I'm dedicated to that. Uh, do multiple meetings a week and sponsor Amazing. people and all that. And um, but that that kind of you know just cleared the skies for, for possibilities and things that I wanted to well, do. Well, you were doing the work. You were really committed yeah. to what you needed to do to, to create what you wanted, which we all have to do. Yes, for sure. And then, you know, I had to sit down with myself and say, look, you know, yes, I have a great career, and but do I either want to do this for the next 10 years of my business life or whatever, or physically, can I do it? I mean, I had, I had back surgery about 14, 15 years ago. That was a major wake-up call that I just can't travel like I and and schlep things. And let, yeah, and, all the lugging of the equipment. Yeah, and it's physical the work that I do and and lugging stuff and like you said, um, so I was able to sort of change that a little bit and I got a couple of assistants who are much stronger than I am who can carry <laughs> Perfect. stuff. And I tell you, um, I was able to really kind of get my personal life kind of in order that. I met a wonderful woman 15 years ago, and she has been a godsend to me and my children. She helped raise my kids. You know, she she had a 10-year-old, and I had a 10-year-old and a 9-year-old, and we raised these kids together. And she did all the heavy lifting, quite frankly, because I was traveling so much. Right. But that never would have happened if I hadn't been clear in mind yeah. and committed. Um, and we're a great team together. You know, she, she's got her busy, crazy career. She's a lawyer, you know, and, and, you know, during the pandemic, she's at home doing her lawyering, the kid, you know, we have a 12 year old now, right. so it's a year nine an hour situation. Yep. And, and the other thing, Kathy, I just didn't want to, uh, yeah, I regretted the fact that I wasn't really present either mm. physically or mentally. Most of the time, my younger, my older kids were growing up. Mm. I didn't want the same thing to happen again. Right. And, this, and did you have a chance to talk to your kids about that through oh, yeah. through the process of what you were going through in recovery and, and being able oh, yeah. to really have that conversation? That must have been really important. Yeah, we've talked about it. And they, bottom line is they're, ha- they're happy that dad is happy and that it's more fun to be around dad. <laughs> That's a good thing. That's a good yeah. thing. And my kids are, I have, a, I have a 26 and a 25 and my stepdaughter is 26 and now we have this 12-year-old in the seventh grade, you know, Great. my age, 
just really crazy. You're dealing with all the demographics, which is great for research and development in our business. (laughs) My kids are 21 and 24. I have two boys. So I'm like, okay, let me check in with them on that new, what about Clubhouse? Tell me about what do you think? What do you guys know? Because I know where my business community is right now on that. And that's a big deal, right? But but have you ever tried to do seventh grade math, Kathy? As a matter of fact, I was trying to do, funny you should say that, I was at my sister-in-law's the other day and I was trying to do, I think it was second grade math yeah and it yeah. freaked me out that these kids i'm like i'm sorry this was a good subject for me but i am reading four ways that you can subtract numbers there are four methods now i'm like yeah, really I, why are they overcomplicating things and the kids are going to end up getting on their calculators and their computers right. anyway once they leave school like yeah. you know yeah. And, and, you know, that's why I became a creative person because I was yeah. very academic. So, so in but, your company uh, in Legends of Sports, you're working with mm-hmm. a lot of athletes and helping guide them on their sort of sec- second chapters, if you will. We'll put them through the reinvention workshop process as they onboard with your company. Yeah, but that's, right. you know, it really is, you know, there are these tools to sort of really start thinking about whether it's defining your personal brand and, and really, you know, and for me, this is an offshoot of what I do every day in my marketing agency, the Sharp Alliance, but helping them define their personal brand, helping them understand what is their five-year and 10-year plan, what are their passions that they want to lean into, where are they going to contribute the most to the mm-hmm. community, how are they going to monetize and create a business out of whatever it is that they're trying to do. And it's a very competitive and very big space. There are a lot of athletes who do, you know, eventually leave the, the limelight, if you will, the spotlight that you spoke of. Um, so helping them forge that. So that's really cool. You've got the same partners still and yeah, same partners. We actually brought on a fourth partner who was a, uh, a very accomplished executive in the digital sports world, which three of us didn't know a lot about. And he's kind of the COO of the organization. We were hoping that we would have had an investor event um, in the fourth quarter. Actually, we were planning for it. And then, of course, the pandemic put the kibosh on that. So we're kind of nine months, nine to 12 months behind in that. All right. Well, for those listening, if you are paying attention, (laughs) there is a wonderful opportunity here. Thank Um, you, Gabby. But, but interesting because then you, you know, yourself, like I think you're doing a lot of that for yourself as well. You started a podcast, um, which mm-hmm. I mentioned yeah. in, in your introduction. Um, how did that come about and why? Why? And I asked this because clearly I started a podcast this year. It was out of, you know, the book and the reinvention virtual chats and all these other things that I do in, in an effort to really motivate and inspire an audience out there. And of course, it feeds directly into my agency, my marketing company and what we do for clients every day. What was it for you that was sort of that reason to want to create a podcast? Well, it's, it's kind of a funny story. If you, um, I don't know if you remember, but maybe seven or eight years ago, um, the Lakers signed this, this gigantic deal with Time Warner Cable at the time. I mean, billions, right? And they were going to create a 24-hour, 365-day-a-year Laker channel. Right. So I'm, think, I'm thinking, how many times can they replay like the 85 finals? You know, right. I mean, it's like how much content right. could there possibly be to feed that? So I had this idea, this kind of wacky idea that, you know what, I, I'm going to pitch 
doing a, a show where I sit down with a Laker personality, you know, could be a player, you know, one of the owners, um, you know, somebody in the front office, whoever, trainer, and talk about their career, but through my photos, right? Uh, and I had been watching this show called The Sports Reporters, which maybe you've seen yeah, in years, yeah. years and years on ESPN, and, you know, Hall of Fame journalists talking about sports, but they never showed a photo, <laughs> you know, they never had a visual. So I took that as sort of the the, the model right? and I presented it to the Lakers, who then pre- they gave me the green light and said, go talk to Time Warner, and Boom, like that. They they said, yeah, let's do it because they needed content. So I did kind of maybe eight or 10, 12 of these shows, which was super fun. I had no idea that I could sit and do this, you know. Well, that's kind of the question. So I've spent a lot of years working with people like authors doing their PR and their marketing. And, you know, they can't string a sentence together in conversation, but they are brilliant and geniuses with the pen. Right. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily translate just because, you know, people and you're interested in something that you yeah. have the gift to be able to have those conversations. But it sounds like yeah. it did come pretty naturally for you. Well, you know, I, I didn't know I could do it or not, yeah. honestly. And I went in to do the first show. And I was really nervous and they tape it, of course. And it was with James Worthy, who I've known since he was drafted. Right. And we're you know doing the pre the you know the preparation the pre-show and everything and I had this wonderful producer named Marina who just looked at me and said Andy how long have you known James <laughs> I said hey, 25 30 years he said well forget we're in a studio imagine you're at a bar or you're in a li- your living room and just have a conversation, conversation. yeah and like that it just this, yeah you know, and I think that's and I think our audiences they want to hear the things that they are curious about you're going to mm-hmm. hear an episode of my podcast coming out with a gentleman named Mitch Slater actually it's uh, coming out tomorrow which you know by the time this airs it'll be weeks ago but we talk about Larry King because he had a very wonderful and his you know wonderful story and history with him and a lot of interviews with him and conversations and apparently Larry really sort of never did his homework and really didn't prepare for an interview. He wanted to sit and say, I want to discover these questions with you now, like anybody else that would meet you for the first time and just have a normal conversation. And the funny thing is I'm realizing, I'm like, wow, I have three pages of questions to ask you. I haven't even looked at a piece of paper yet. And and I'm having a better time getting to know you and sharing you and your story with the audience. So I think there is something really wonderful about the authenticity of a conversation in a podcast. And yeah. I, yeah. I'll tell you something, Kelly. I had that experience, that direct experience with Larry because when the book came out, I got booked on his show, and you know, it's Larry King. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like this, it's is, like, big this time. is it. Yeah. And I go in there, he couldn't have been warmer, sweeter, more, most more calm. He had no notes, like you said. And but he's a huge sports fan. He's a Brooklyn guy, and we had the greatest chat with him. It was so much fun. Yeah. And 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 what a gift to have been able to have been interviewed by Larry King. Oh my God. I know. Well, he really was something. And I I had the pleasure of meeting him and working around him on numerous occasions for different things. Um, Another great one is Cal Fussman, who, you know, is in my book and also has his podcast now, The Big Idea, Mm -hmm. um, which is fantastic. And I'm sorry, big questions. I think it's a big question. Sorry. Um, And another one who just like was able to translate this gift of the written word 
into mm-hmm. podcasts, but that, that, you know, no one is one of the greatest interviewers with his mm-hmm. background. Um, yeah. So it, it's intriguing to me that it is something that you've chosen to, to kind of add to your repertoire. I'm going to call you now the new Renaissance man because of all these serial reinventions that you're doing. Yeah, but I want to tell you what happened with the Laker show because that was oh, the please. whole preamble yes. of the, yes. the podcast, yes. right? So I'm doing the show and it's going along great and I'm I'm enjoying it. And and all of a sudden, um, do you know who Norm Pattis is? Norm yes. owns Westwood One, yes, right? absolutely. And he then sold Westwood One he, for a gazillion dollars mm-hmm. and he became retired for maybe 24 hours. He couldn't stand being retired. So he decided to found, he founded podcast one yeah. like to strike lightning in a bottle twice, which yeah. he did. And Norm is a great friend. He and Mary been sitting courtside at Laker games for as long as I've been shooting. We've, and I've become friends with so many of the courtside Laker, you know, season ticket holders, Clippers too. Right. And, um, <laughs> so one game as, as he would normally do, he would call me over just to chit chat. And he goes, he says, Andy, I'm loving that Laker show you're doing. And I, that's great, Norm. Thank you. He goes, I got to get that out by podcast. <laughs> this is how he talks. I said, well, Norm, I love you, but, you know, it's a visual show. We're talking about photos. Right. <laughs> he goes, I don't care. Let's figure it out. Come to lunch. So I went to lunch the next day. Two and a half hours, we hammer this, this out, and it becomes a podcast because I had gone to Norm very early in the uh, – in the beginnings of Legends of Sport, as an advisor, a mentor, whatever, and he gave me some great advice, and he said, "Why don't you just make Legends of Sport podcast on my network?" I'm like, done. Love it. Love it. <laughs> so, yeah. So we were on his network for two years, and then um, we moved it to the LA Times, and it was kind of the same situation with Patrick Sunshiang, another season ticket holder, sits literally right behind me at Laker games, known him. 25 years. And he's, he calls me over before a game. This really happened. He goes, Andy, um, are you aware I just bought the LA Times? And I said, yes, Patrick, I do read the paper. And I, he, goes, he says, what about this thing, this idea, this legends, whatever thing that you told me about? And I said, yeah, legends of sport. He goes, bring it over to the LA Times. We'll launch it there. I love that. I'm like, okay. Amazing. That's That's incredible. Well, if they're looking (laughs) for new verticals, maybe they want a reinvention column. We'll have to chat with them about that. Um, (laughs) It's exciting. It's a really exciting time. I mean, look, it's so, you know, the era of the voice, you know, mediums, um, Mm -hmm. you know, where the pendulum kind of keeps moving and swinging and video and content, video content is so massive, but this voice medium, and I think it's the reason why Clubhouse is doing so well, because people are like, I don't have to get dressed and put on makeup and look good. And, you know, like I can just show up and have great conversations with the community and connect with people and build business and build connections. And look, we are all such social beings as humans. And the last year has really taken a toll on that. I am used to being on an airplane every two or three weeks. I'm usually at an average of five to six conferences within all the different industries that I deal with. All my Mm -hmm. peeps, like I'm missing and craving that connection, just getting up and going to the office with my staff every day. So anything that we can do to stay connected, to have real conversations, to expose people, not just to inspire to motivational information, but just Mm -hmm. human connection and what we do and embracing our passions, I think is just so important for people to really stay Mm -hmm. connected to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you talk about in your book, 
that the, the, the first step of reinvention is realization, right? And yes, I had, I had this realization that I could do something, make a left turn in my career, but use the 40 years that, of everything that I've built, in relationships especially, um, to do something else that is going to be fulfilling at this later stage of my work. I love that. Has the last year and what's happened with COVID affected, good, bad, or otherwise, the, the productivity or the ability to grow the business or even your clients that you're working with? Like, how's that impacted what yeah, you're doing? Yeah, it, it, well, it, it's, it's so interesting. On, on March 10th last year, we were going full steam ahead in my photography business. You know, we, we photograph at that time of year, Lakers, Clippers, and Kings. We shoot every game with multiple photographers. Not only that, but I also wear the hat of director of photography for Staples Center and Microsoft mm, Theater. Right. You know, yep. AMG's downtown campus. So we would have sometimes three, four events a day going on. There would be a concert over there. There'd be games over here. There'd be, you know, March 11th, everything stopped 100%, like done, like finished. And I didn't work again in photography for five and a half months until I went to the NBA bubble in August. So I looked at it as an opportunity, mm-hmm. like, okay, this is happening. There's nothing I can do about it. It's completely out of my control. So now I got full bandwidth. Like I don't have to deal with my photography company. And it was tough. It was I like had to permission lay- to go do something else for you. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to lay off, um, you know, a great full-time photographer. And luckily the PPP helped, you know, get, it bought us a few months of salary. And my office manager, Veronica, who is sort of my right-hand person, pivoted her completely over to the podcast and everything Legends of Sport. So now she's my producer for the podcast, researcher, and plus all the other events and things that we're trying to build with Legends of Sport. So, yes, we weren't able to do our investor event, which we had planned, but it did open the opportunity for the L.A. Times relationship, which maybe we we wouldn't have had. Exactly. And then we launched the podcast on on the L.A. Times platform with a 16-week block of shows called Restarting the Clock, Ah, which is when the NBA... And WNBA started up in their you know respective bubbles. So I did a show every single week, and once I got to the bubble, I was even doing it in my hotel, right. in my hotel room. Right, it was crazy. That's yeah. exciting. Um, do you equally cover WNBA games? Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I'm actually in a in a very interesting conversation for a client of mine right now with one of the teams. So if that comes together, I'll have to circle back with you. We might have a really interesting content conversation for the show um, that connects with the WNBA uh, because it's pretty special. That'd be great. I've been shooting the LA Sparks since the first game. They were the opening game of the WNBA. We've had numerous WNBA legends um, on the podcast. I have three daughters, you know, and my wife uh, was Title IX coordinator at Cal State LA. Amazing. So, okay, yeah, definitely so, in your wheelhouse. I yeah. love that. Okay, I'm glad I asked because I yeah. hope hope that I'll have a story to share with you very soon. Yeah. Um, I do have a fun question for you as we're starting to wrap up, unfortunately, because I feel like you and I have a lot more ground to cover. And I'm sorry we can't mm-hmm. do it all here, but I know that we will offline. Given all the people that you have come into contact with, and this is a standard question I ask on every podcast, but I feel like you're going to have um, kind of some fun with this. Uh, when you can have a dinner party, which 
hopefully won't be too far off for all of us. Who would you want to have sitting at your table? Three or four people. I mean, you've met so many of the greats in sports, mm. but maybe there are people beyond the world of sports that intrigue you, that would be interesting for you to want to have a conversation around your dinner table, you and your wife. Now, now I have to assume my wife is interested yes, in Yes, you and your wife. Okay. Yeah. So I got to pick which Obama can come, right? Well, you can pick both. One <laughs> for you, one for both. right? You can have both. Right. You can have whoever yeah. you want. You know, we adore both of them. Uh, she would probably, if she had a choice, would prefer to have Michelle there, but I would like to have Barack there. So let's yeah, have both of them. Absolutely. Um, you know, my my dearly departed friend, uh, Kobe, you know, it would have been incredible to have it at a dinner party like that. Um, I'm fascinated by, by people who, um, like somebody like Peter Guber, for mm. example. You know, Peter is is... It's such a resource for me, such a great friend. I actually, right in front of me when I'm talking to you, on the wall, I had actually painted on the wall, dreams plus goals equals destiny, which is his mantra from his book. Oh. And and I, I use that, I look at it all the time and I use that I whenever that. I can, when I teach or whatever. Thank you for sharing um, that. Yeah, and Peter, Peter's fascinating. You know, I would love to have my dad there, quite frankly. Um, I lost my dad a long time ago and, 2004 but he he was he was a character and he could hold a room like anybody else oh, love that <laughs> um and and the one the other person i would have is is the boss himself bruce springsteen i would have to have him there because i would make him play something for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> love that I that'd be like a hell of a party it would be i feel like i need to connect you and mitch slater with each other you guys have a lot of common ground in the people in your realm and that you've connected in touch with and and i've been remiss in not bringing up kobe again because clearly you must have spent a lot of time together and i would imagine that was an extraordinary experience for you at that time and i'm sorry mm -hmm. for the loss that you probably felt and experienced um, yeah. So I mean, every day it's it's still unbelievable to me. It's just really like, did yeah, that really that's happen? Surreal. I mean, it's just yeah. so surreal. Um, but the experience of being around him for twenty years, knowing him as as a teenager, you know, and then doing this book together was the greatest gift that he could have ever given me was to collaborate on this yeah. book with me and the and beautiful the person is, that he was known to be. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and the book has become kind of the thread now worldwide with with all of his you know his millions fans, and millions yeah. of fans it's in you know, the book was written in his own words with my photos amazing and the conversations we had uh, and the things that i learned about him that i didn't know even you know knowing him as well as i did but until we started doing the book together were uh, mind-blowing amazing i get i get sort of like goose pimples just kind of envisioning that so yeah, I'm glad we're just getting a moment to really acknowledge that. I was actually going to the Grammys that day, and mm. I found just, you know, my my only true connection to that moment was, wow, I am in his building tonight. How yeah. weird and sad and yeah. ironic. and But it made me yeah. feel like I am getting to honor him in that moment and on that day. So that was that was my yeah. only connection. Mm. Um, this has been such an amazing conversation, Andy. Really, I'm excited for our new friendship and for a, you know a gratitude to Leonard Armato, who was my very first guest on this podcast, The Power of Reinvention, for connecting yeah. us. 
Um, and I'm really excited to stay in touch and keep talking and keep hearing what you're doing with the company and your beautiful work. And that um, if anybody wants to kind of follow some of the work that you're doing, is there a website, something that you can yeah. point us to? Yeah, social media is usually the best way. Um, uh, Instagram is at Legends of Sport. It's a good place to start. And we have uh, a YouTube channel, which is Legends of Sport, which we're doing now all of our podcasts on audio, which you can get on the LA Times platforms, of course, but also Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else on audio. But the video version is available on our YouTube channel. And then my photography is at, um, it can be found at, at, at ADB Photo Inc. So we kind of cross-platform a lot. Um, I have a really great social media manager, a young guy based in New Jersey, who lives and breathes sports and brilliant. It's like an encyclopedia. So he he does multiple posts every day, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. We're having really a blast doing this. I love I it. I can't wait to get out of this pandemic. I know. So we can go like meet people in person exactly well look and and to be able to sit in those stadiums i mean i'm watching the australian open right now and seeing how many mm. you know how few people are sitting there and i do a lot yeah. in the sports world so yeah we're, we're all eager yeah. and anxious i want to <laughs> thank you for being on today for those listening who want more information be sure to check out the show notes. All of the links that Andy shared with us are going to be in there. If you're interested in my book, Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For? Or tuning into the Reinvention Virtual Chats or want to find where this podcast actually airs, you can kind of go to the one-stop shop, which would be thereinventionexchange.com and everything is in that website. And if you're interested in talking to me about the Sharp Alliance and our marketing and branding, and sponsorship work, feel free to reach out to me directly. You can find me or contact me through all of the social media platforms under my name or the website sharpalliance.com, sharp with an E. Kathy is a K and an I, just to kind of keep it all interesting. Um, Andy, thank you so much again. Great story, beautiful background. Thank you for sharing everything with us that you did today. And I hope everybody that was tuning in has taken some great nuggets away from this and are feeling inspired and motivated to really pursue their passions. And on that note, happy reinventing everybody. Have a great week. Thanks, Kathy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Power of Reinvention. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Wouldn't mind a five-star review. It would be greatly appreciated. Also, be sure to visit thereinventionexchange.com to share your reinvention stories, suggest a guest, join the newsletter mailing list, get access to my book, which is called Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For?, and discover fantastic bonus content with my blogs and listen in to the Reinvention Virtual Chat series. Don't forget to join me next week for another episode. Please share with a friend and thank you for listening. Happy reinventing. Happy reinventing.